If you have a Bible with you this morning, let's dig into what God has for us. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20, second book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. And I want to begin this morning by setting a backdrop of what's really happening here in Mark 1. This is Mark's account of the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. His preaching ministry, his message, and you see that in verses 14 and 15 at the heart of this message is the announcement that the kingdom of God has erupted onto the scene of human history. And it's done so in the coming of Jesus Christ in a new way. And that in Jesus Christ there is deliverance of sin's guilt and sin's power in the lives of human beings. We can be freed from it. And so in verses 16 through 20, we we see what it looks like. Essentially, verses 14 and 15 is believe in the gospel of Christ. Repent and believe. And then following, it's what happens now after that. Now, Now what do I do? I believed. I've repented of my sins. I have Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Now, now what must I do? What follows? Well, we see what follows. We see what it looks like and what it does in the hearts and lives, and specifically in the hearts and lives of two sets of brothers, Simon and Andrew, and James and John. And it's here where I want to just anchor this morning. Luke, Gospel, chapter 5, in the 10th verse, we learn that Simon and Andrew... And James and John, they're business partners. It's a good business. It was inherited by James and John from their father. Good. Yeah, I was just seeing if you were with me. I'm just checking on you, right? Zebedee, the father, Zebedee, he's got a good business. And we know that it's a good business because we see even from the text that we're looking at here this morning that they have hired hands. So business must be good. It must be decent. They've inherited But somewhere along the way, Simon and Andrew, and it seems also likely James and John, have come attached to the ministry of John the Baptist. We're not sure how this happened, but however it happened, they have been swept up into this great revival that followed in the wake of of John the Baptist's preaching ministry. And we can read about that in John chapter 1, because one day John chapter 1 tells us as they were attending upon John the Baptist's preaching, ministry, Andrew and another disciple, we're not sure who, but almost certainly probably John, they're talking with John the Baptist. And who happened to pass by? Jesus Christ passed by, and John the Baptist says, quote, behold the Lamb of God. And so he is identifying who Jesus really is for Andrew and John's benefit. And John's gospel tells us that Andrew did what? He immediately ran to his brother, Peter, or Simon. So just understand that Simon is really Peter. His name hasn't quite changed yet, but it will. We read on in the gospel. So he goes to his brother and he says, good news, what? We have found the Messiah. We found him. 
So Andrew and Simon and James and John's association and knowledge and acquaintance with Jesus goes all the way back to these first days under the ministry of John the Baptist in the wilderness around the Jordan River. So it's not as though they had no idea of who he was. They understood from John's explanation that Jesus was the one whom they'd been waiting. He was God, Messiah, the Lamb of God. And so, however momentous this discovery was, life has kind of gone on, right? And so here they are now back to mending the nets in the family business. The, the fish won't catch themselves. There are mouths to feed, there are salaries to pay, there are nets to be mended. And so despite their early knowledge of Jesus, nothing really prepared them for this new encounter here on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And this encounter bore out two things in their life that would change them forever. Two things in their lives. Number one, a call. A call. Verse 17 is essential to this text. It's it's really the text to which you should underline, highlight, circle. It's all about this verse in my estimation because here is these two words that change their lives forever. And those two words are what? Follow me, right? You can see it there on the screen. Follow me. It's an obvious invitation to discipleship, although it's an unusual one given the norms of the day. Because you see, rabbis in Jesus' day, they had disciples too. But they never initiated that relationship. If you wanted to learn from a rabbi, you you sought the rabbi out. You wanted to learn from the rabbi, you you learn from him. You went after him. But here is Jesus, and he does what we're going to see him do again and again in the Gospel of Mark. He breaks the mold. He is shattering the norms of the day. In this case, he's breaking the mold by being the one who is taking the initiative. Jesus says, I have come to, to serve And to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but what? I chose you. I chose you. To what? That you would bear much fruit. That you would bear much fruit. That's the call upon the lives of those who will follow Christ. Follow me. I chose you. Bear fruit. Every other religion... You can read about them. Pick up a text. Read about all the other religions, all the other forms of spirituality. There is a prescription. There's a formula, a practice to maintain, a, a path to follow in order to what? To get to God. But our gospel, the gospel that we preach from these pulpits here at St. Paul's, doesn't offer you a better mechanism not a better path. It's not a a better thing in, in order to get to God. That's not our message. Our message is that God himself has come to find you right where you sit. He's seeking you this morning. He wants your heart this morning. He's taking the initiative. 
He is pricking the heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. He loves you. He wants you. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who goes and searches for what? That one lost sheep. (laughs) What a terrible shepherd. What shepherd would do that? A different one. A very different one. And that's our Jesus. He's a different shepherd. He's a different different person. He's a God who seeks you out. Jesus is the one whom the Father is what? Seeking true worshipers. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I will myself search for my sheep and seek them out. For the Son of Man has come to seek and what? Save the lost. Hear it? He's seeking. He's searching. Christian gospel, we preach God comes and he finds us. Initiative is all his. That's how it was in this moment for these four men. It's how it is every single day that someone gives their life to Christ. He is seeking them out. He's drawing them. He's calling them. He is buying them as his own. There is a call upon your life today, this morning. Not only a call, but secondly, a new mission. Verse 17, a new mission. Not only an invitation to life under a new master, a new pilot, a new driver, but an invitation to embark on a new mission. Follow me and I will what? I'll make you become fishers of men. Jesus is obviously right. He's playing on this, this profession of these brothers. They were anglers. They're fishermen. And so he's, he's using this imagery, isn't he? He's, he's saying, if you will follow me, I'm going to change the priorities of your life. I'm going to change the priorities of your life. I'm going to set you apart so that you will become my instruments to make my name known to the ends of the earth. Did they succeed? Absolutely. Right? You wouldn't be here (laughs) if they didn't. Count them. Four of them. Three of them were martyred for the faith. John was the only one who was exiled to Patmos that survived to old age. You will be fishers of men. You'll catch men by proclaiming the gospel. The fruit of the gospel, once one has God in their lives, is discipleship. Do you know that? Welcome to fishing. (laughs) That's what you're here for. You're here to become the angler of the year. Did you know that? Not just bass or crappie. Fishing for men, women, children. He calls you to himself and he sends you to others. Disciples make disciples. These disciples here in this text are swept up into this great new cause that is now going to dominate their hearts and fill them with a boldness and joy and enthusiasm that the name of Jesus might be known. There's a beautiful scene in the Fellowship of the Ring. I don't know if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, but there's this scene that I think paints this well. Frodo and Sam, are they're fleeing from the Shire, and Sam pauses and he says to Frodo, this is it. If I take one more step, this is the furthest away from home I've ever been. Frodo replies, you remember what Bilbo used to say, it's a dangerous business. 
Going out your door, you step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. That really is the call of Jesus, isn't it? It's really the call of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. It's not just a call to some nice, private, heartwarming series of, you know, just moving experiences between you and Jesus. I'm not discrediting that. It is that, right? Some of your intimate times, whether it's in private or in your prayer closet with Christ is a good thing, but it's not just that this morning. It will be that, but it will also be a deployment in His service on a lifelong adventure of mission and ministry. So, two things in application. So, I think, as I've thought about this message over this week, I think there are two dangerous responses to this message here in Mark chapter 1 that I, that I don't want you to leave here with. I don't want you to leave the doors this morning saying one of these two things. Here's the first. You could be saying, you know, preacher, I... I Listen, you've been very bold and you're passionate. I get you're excited about this. You know, this, this really is, this ain't for me. I mean, I, I, there are people here at St. Paul's that, you know, they're, they're gifted in this way. I mean, I get it. You and the staff and the clergy and Tripp and John, I mean, Tyler's doing the church plant thing. I, I get it. You guys are excited about sharing the word of God and making disciples and you know, there are, are people who are gifted like this. They're, they're keen, right? They're, they're the evangelist among us, like Billy Graham. I mean, you need to know this. That's a dangerous response. Because Mark chapter 1 and verse 17 isn't just written to clergy. It's not just written to Shannon Reed, the children's director, who goes after the hearts of children. It's your call this morning. This is your call this morning to become fishers of men, to follow Christ and to make disciples. It's really the art of neighboring 101, isn't it? I mean, we've been, we're like blue in the face, right? Talking about neighboring and what it means to, to neighbor and to love our neighbors as what? Our, ourselves. To share the good news of Christ. To know him and to make him known. So that's the first dangerous response. Here's the second, and then I'm done. I think the second thing that you might say is, okay, I hear you. <laughs> you, you made it clear, I hear you loud and clear, now I, I have to do this. No, you don't, you don't have to do this. Let me, let me just, let me put it blatantly to you this morning. You don't have to do this. You get to do this. <laughs> you should want to do this. Right? It's the difference between making some legalistic verse in the Bible, your heart's cry now. I have to do this. No, you don't have to do this. 
God doesn't need you to do this. You should want to do this. You should desire to do this. You should say in your heart of hearts as you sit here, I I love Jesus and I want to know him and make him known because I love him. Essentially, it's a heart that cries out on Sunday mornings for better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Isn't that it? I'd rather be here than anywhere. Where else would I be? Because I love Jesus. I care about Christ and his name and his glory. And I want to spread him to others. Or it may be this. Jesus would eventually turn to the disciples and he would ask them this. Do you also want to leave me? Do you also want to leave me? And Peter's reply is, what? Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. May we respond to this call with passion and with boldness and with courage because we love you, because we want to know you and make you known. Not because it's, it's a guilt trip or we feel guilty when we don't, but because you've shed your grace in our lives and we want to share you with others. So use us for your glory.